Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. This is episode seven. We will be discussing Mazzy Star's Fade Into You, but first, a couple of site businessy things. Starting with, we have our very first guest. Yay! Mr. Joe Reed. Hi, Joe. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. We're very, very excited. excited that we have a listener that we know. <laughs> yes. And a former roommate of mine, too. I know! This is very, like, this is very retro vibes for us. It is. We did a lot of talking about songs when we were roommates. Oh, my God. To an embarrassing degree. Yes. Indeed. And uh, Team South on televisionwithoutpity.com. Yeah. Also reunited. Yes. I'm not sure how much we talked about songs, but we must have. We talked about uh, bad television for Mm -hmm. a lot of that. We talked about... Best and worst prices right games. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'd also like to note um, there are no visuals, but Joe's wearing an old school music television shirt. Sure am. Yes. As required by law. Yes. Um, so that is our first piece of uh, podcast business. Mark. Also, um, Sarah and I tend to record these in batches. So the first few episodes that you heard were all recorded at the same time, meaning that it wasn't until right now that we were able to come back to you and talk to you about the incredible feedback that you have been giving us on the episodes that you've heard thus far. And I have legitimately, as recently as 5 to 15 hours ago, somewhere in there, called Sarah just to say how overjoyed I am by the depth and wit of your emails and tweets uh, about the things that we've been talking about. It just has made us feel right chuffed, as the Brits might <laughs> as say. They, as they might say. And I just want to say uh, a couple of things that have really jumped out to me. We wanted to respond in a reader mailbag sort of way. We have a reader named Lacey who went ahead and threw the gauntlet down and said that she might be the world's expert on Swedish pop music. And I was like, okay, girl, (laughs) I think it's real cute. And I do honor you for your praise of yourself. But let me just go ahead and break it up and break it down and tell you that when I went to the Swedish pop this is true, you have that trump card. The Swedish pop history floor of the Ava Museum in actual Sweden, the people that were the docents of the Swedish pop floor were shocked at how much more I knew than they did about, say, Robin, who, by the way, is my spirit animal. Okay, but, Queen Gustav. Let's, yeah, uh... that's right. <laughs> but I do want to say, Lacey, your comments about uh, Swedish pop that have not gone unnoticed, and you're absolutely right about Roxette. And their Charm School album. And you know what I mean by that, girl. Okay, I also <laughs> want to say that we got a remarkable amount of feedback that I thought was just great on our I Don't Know How to Love Him episode. Yes, including uh, people who seem to have listened to the entire thing, which, bless you, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I wasn't sure I could get through our entire podcast. Thank you girl, for sticking with Sarah, us. See, Sarah always wants this. You always feel like you sound silly, but you don't. I've been trying to tell you. No, I no, no. I meant the song. Oh, oh. <laughs> so I this, And I was like, I'm, I'm editing this bad boy, and I really, like, we had some technical, major technical problems that involved some pretty, um, pretty advanced surgery that I had to teach myself while the patient was, like, mm-hmm. on the table. Dr. And Dr. now I've also lost control of this metaphor. But anyway... <laughs> It meant I had to listen to the clip like 40 times. Simpering flutes. Oh my God. Like, find me some traffic that I can wander into because I cannot. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for listening to that entire episode. And um, the feedback, are you going to read some of the 
Oh, you know, I just had written... Uh, one profound just, email that... Uh, yeah, you know what? If you will just vamp with me for one second, I actually will read directly from the email. So, hey, why don't you just talk about... Actually, though, while I'm doing that, you guys should talk about small business and what we, what we were talking about before we turned the recording on. Oh, God, about how... <laughs> referring to a prostitute as a small business owner? Well, yes. I wish I could have come up with... Um, another synonym for small businesswoman, but as I said, we were having some technical problems and my mind emptied of all except like seven or eight words and phrases yes. to do with the song, one of which was blah, and that took up a lot of room. Yes. So I do now want to just read for you a section of an email that we received from Angie G, and she has a very cute purple creature as her avatar with her email, so okay. we'll say amen to that. She says... There's a much more interesting song to be heard if you think of it from more of Sarah's perspective, that of a smart businesswoman. The line, I don't know how to love him, is much more interesting if it's a conflict between, okay, do I sell myself the way I usually do and try to give him exactly what I think he wants, because I know how to do that, and if I want, I could probably destroy him. But I feel differently about him, and I don't really want to do that, so where the hell does that leave me? Meaning, basically, I don't know how to love him in the sense that I have two options of loving him in front of me, and I don't know which love to choose, and not just, oh, I don't know how to love him because he's such a good man, and he gives us deep Jesus D. And I just agree with uh, Andy. And there's that, really no way to go <laughs> about that's, that. That's the tenth time that I'm going to hell based around this song. Oh, I know. I just like the, the, the notion that Mary Magdalene was going to destroy him. Is yeah. that what you mean? Well, okay. Well, that's what ladies do. That's Apparently. what Republicans have been telling us for years. But I wanted to <laughs> say... so true. Angie's comment is just one of many wonderful comments that we've had on that song. And I just want to say, uh, on behalf of Sarah and myself, although she can speak for herself too, we so value and appreciate your feedback. And actually, that as I close the mailbag, I'd like to open up the requests envelope. <laughs> I was miming that with my hands. We've also gotten a great many uh, requests, and we thought that we would start today by talking about Mazzy Star's Fade Into You, which is uh, our number one most requested song, which if you had put a list of 50 songs in front of me, I never would have chosen this, but I love you guys for that. I love you for that. This song was requested by, among others, John R., Angela F., and Danielle J. And it is, again, Mazzy Star's Fade Into You, a somber, <laughs> alt-rock ballad Very from the 90s. So. Yeah. I'd like to now kick us off into this discussion by playing a snippet of Mazzy Star's Fade Into You. I want to take the breath that's true. Come apart and you'll go black. 
I feel like this was on every mix tape slash CD slash thumb drive that I made for about five years. Yeah. Um, and then, like, something happened. I'm not sure what happened. I don't think I have heard, except if it was, like, in a Lexus commercial, I don't think I've heard anything resembling this song for 10 or 15 years. But it all came back, like, that entire time. Like, it was such an era of, like, Velvet Underground-y yeah. bands. Yeah, yes. That were perfect for staring out the window of a train heading back home. Yeah. And wishing that the boy who was currently paying you Pavlovian intermittent, <laughs> quote, attention would see you doing so and think how pretty and thin you looked. <laughs> so. But this was also the kind of, like, big sweatered wan pixie lead singer that um, you, a size 12, had difficulty believing suffered in any real way. Um, it's, still, it's still a pretty good song, but I don't... I don't feel like it's aged real well, Joe. I mean, this song reminds me so much of my so-called life, even though I'm yes. not sure it ever was in my so-called life. Oh, like, the same person. I don't, right? I don't think it was, but it so could have been. It's very yeah, much like it. Sweater Past My Thumbs like yes. kind of song. You know what I mean? Jennifer Love Sweater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I'll tell you what, Angela would have faded into Jordan Catalan. Of course, of course. And like, the song itself, I oh, really... Oh, is that not what they were doing? The backseat <laughs> of Fred? No, that was Ray Ann oh, in the backseat of Fred. Oh, but... yeah. Yeah. Ooh. They were, Jordan and Angela were in the boiler room. Ooh. Um, but that, the song itself, you're right that I can go like years without listening to it and still sort of like revisit it at some point where it's... I don't know, it, like, it just sort of floods back to you. It has that sort of, like, underwater sort of feel to it. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's just sort of like, and you're sort of moving through water, and it's kind of, you know, all liquid. But And that, I guess it's a, it's not a gits deal. I don't know enough about how music is, like, physically made sometimes, but that <laughs> yeah. big, like, um, sort of bell-tone guitar that a right. lot of 90s music had that I loved, it really reminded me of... Um, Gavorin, David Gavorin, who was the guitarist for the Sundays. Oh, oh sure. Who, oh my God, I love the Sundays so much. And I know they're like old with a kid now, and they're like, we're tired of being the Sundays, and the <laughs> 90s are over, and John Ramos and I are like, no, they're not. No. Not in our hearts. Yeah. Um, John Ramos is the John R. who recommended yes, the yes. request of His song secret identity has been exposed. <laughs> I was looking up the uh, the Wikipedia listing for this, and it said it had peaked at number three on the modern rock charts in 1994. If you ever want to like have a secret like peek into Joe's early high school life, look at the 1994 modern rock charts on Billboard. Because it is just every single, it's like, it's the Cranberries, yes. and it's like Toad the Wet Sprocket, and oh. What's the Frequency, Kenneth? And it's your friend's a dream. Like, I, the, the entire Versus album songs. of Pearl right. Jam, and yes. Early Green Day, and I wrote it on, it's like, the Sweater Song was that year, I Alone by Live was that year. Oh, shit. Um, oh, my God, Live. Far Behind by Candlebox, which I maybe listened to a billion times within two years, and then never again. Well, Candlebox has the greatest story in that book Mark by and Mark I, Yarm. Mark and I really have this interesting relationship with Candlebox. Really? <laughs> if you played, like, is this Candlebox or not game with me, I would lose. Right, I yes. don't know. Yes. I can't come up with a single... It's like, what was the name of their first album? Box of well, Candlebox? I think it was just Candlebox? <laughs> sure. But Mark Yar, Yarm? Yarm. Yarm. Y-A-R-M. 
Um, there's a Mark Arm in the book. It's the oral history of grunge and the whole like Seattle scene um, in the 70s and 80s and 90s and all that. It's really a wonderful book, but there's this whole like running theme about how Candlebox was, I don't even know, like the hootie and the blowfish of grunge. <laughs> respect, but were the biggest sellers. But like Hootie, it's like, who do you actually know who owns that album? Right. Like, uh, nobody actually, was like in that one that Cadillac was, commercial well, wait, trying to be cool. If I may, if we assume that corporations are people, like the Supreme Court said, then we all know people who own that album because there are still used CD stores. I was just about there. to say, it's that one and the Rembrandt CD. Yes. Oh, and the No Alternative CD. Yes. With the, with the, with the kid's face with yes. the black bar over the That end. No yes. Alternative CD was in every used yes. CD bin, for sure. But the thing with Camelbox, which is so interesting, I know we're not even supposed to be talking about them, but I can't stop for a second. Someone's uh, got to. They were basically just like, look, y'all, we just were playing songs and somebody approached us with a record deal. What the fuck were we supposed to do? Say no? Right. And I yeah. just feel like Candlebox, I, I have a new sympathy for them because yeah. they did get dumped on. Yeah. But like, they weren't, they were just like, we were making a song and then we just got caught up and what, I, seriously, what would you do? Anyway. Yeah. But all of that. Well, we can go on a rant some other yes. time about like quote unquote sellout bands <laughs> oh, that you God. listen to. Before. That's a whole like, conversation. John and I have a code for this, which is oh, Super Chunk. I used to listen to them in high school, and this was said by a person who like went to high school at the same time we did when Super Chunk were like fourteen. Like right. it wasn't possible. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, Super Chunk is objectively terrible. We tried. <laughs> we have all. They tried. were just regular Chunk. I'm yes. sorry. Oh, they were not even like Goonies Chunk. They were just, <laughs> yeah. But I... He was pretty super, that guy. Looking at your list, it also looks like oh, yeah. that was the year of the Gin Blossoms. Oh, God. What, what, what was number one? Amos. Number one for, like, three weeks oh, on the modern oh. rock charts. Like, oh, what, so, what was it? God, God by Tori Amos. Oh, God, sometimes you just don't come through. Uh, so one of the things okay. that, it, listening to this song and then hearing you name all of those songs makes me remember is that at the time, I knew that the big joke about... 90s music was that it was a bunch of angsty people feeling their pain but I was a teenager at the time so I didn't understand that you know I just thought that this music was all really beautiful and great but when I look at this that group of songs that you just listed especially including Mazzy Star next to what I guess would be the a sort of similar uh, topical trend of the mid-aughts which was when there were all songs about how everyone's perfect if they just say that they are I think it becomes much more clear to me that this was really the time when every hit song by every one hit wonder even was about being sad. Yeah. And I, I think or that it, this is addiction. And it, then ten years later it's the recovery Right. Oh yeah. From the eye cycle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In theory, I'm not obviously accusing anyone of But that makes sense. Anything. You know that we in the nineties we were going through a very internalized and I'm not breaking any cultural ground by pointing this out. Obviously, <laughs> it's well said, but well reported. But it strikes me so strongly now listening to this song that this song could only exist in its moment. And that's why I think we don't hear it as much anymore. Because there's literally nothing timeless about this song. Yeah, there's anymore. no real place for it right. anywhere now. Just in the same way that in three or four years, a song like Firework... Well, Firework is popular enough, it might overcome. But a song like Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield yeah. will not make sense in 10 years from now because it came out in that period when every song had to be about how you're perfect or beautiful, no matter what they say. Like, all of that sort of self-help stuff that was so popular for such a long time. And it yeah. just, this song 
is in its way, in the way that, say, Natasha Bedingfield's Unwritten or Pink's fucking perfect sort of epitomized that, this song distills this period. And I, I was also thinking about why is this song different from Luscious Jackson, obviously another 90s alt-rock lady song that we've discussed. And I think it is that this song just commits so heavily to the slow, melodic quality of being down in the dumps. And if I may, the little note, the only note I really made, other than the shocking fact that because of this song, Mazzy Star's album, So Tonight That I Might See, sold over a million copies. Also, that's such a 90s album title. So Tonight That I Might See. Remember when we made that Sporkle yeah. quiz about yeah. all the, like, we made a Sporkle quiz about, like, all those wordy 90s uh, album titles, like, Whatever, oh. whatever and Ever, Amen. Yes, and, Under like, the Table and Dreaming. Exactly. And it's just like, they were all that, like, nine words long, and just, yeah. like... <laughs> And either they Ostensibly were cut, about something or nothing. They were like cut up letters like... Yes! Honest and everything after, which doesn't mean or anything. Like yes. crime scene tape font. Yes! The number one, oh the number one victim slash champion. Uh, everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, our Time oh. in Eden by 10,000 Maniacs, which I love. I owned all those albums. Me too. Oh, 100%. Still. Colum- Columbia right. House Record and Tape Club brought them all to my house and many more. <laughs> Yeah. May have listened to Our Time in Eden last week in yeah. its entirety, y'all. Seriously. But uh, the other thing I just wanted to bring up, because I was just thinking about who are some other one-hit wonders of this period, some of which Joe has already done the good job of mentioning, do you guys remember Not an Addict by Kay's Choice? Oh, of course. I hadn't thought about that song in It's not a habit, Mark. It's cool. <laughs> I feel <laughs> alive. If you don't have it, you're on the other side. It's such a good song. Sarah, did you ever know that song? No. Oh, oh you would like it, I think. It yeah. was incredible. But now I sort of am hearing it like in my mind's ear as being LMFAO's I Am Not a Whore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. It's not that. I'm, guess- I'm guessing. Different song. It's okay. sort of the same thing. It's a woman with a husky voice. I yeah. think actually she might have been your European and she's ooh, ooh. It's all very like the children of Marianne Faithful, like whatever, <laughs> like that all kind yes. of thing. Yeah. I do want to go back though. I thought Sarah made an excellent point of clocking the Velvet Underground influence here. Yeah. That sort of druggy you know what? Hold it. I'm just putting this together. This was also coming out in the exact same time that we were all listening to the uh, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon remake in Pulp Fiction. In Pulp Fiction, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Oh. And there did seem to be a very, like, this was like a big time for indie movies and sort of do-it-yourself yeah. art. Right. Where, um, at least in my um, group, uh, in my crowd, we were listening to The Shags. Yeah. Um, this is this had started in college. So by 94, I was, like, living with my parents, making mixtapes for my friends who were also living with their parents right. in various parts of the country, and it was like a lot of the shags. There was a lot of Toe the Wet Sprocket, because they did have that one two-minute song that when you had the gap at the end of side A. Yeah. Like, those were like, songs were invaluable. Oh, my God. And oh, you yeah. know who had a bunch of those? was um, They Might Be Giants. Yes. Oh my God the, bless you, Flood. Thank God for the They Might Be Giants on a mixtape. Well, that has really been lost, the, like, the mathematics that went into creating a mixtape yeah just sort of like, if you're gonna use that five minute Sonic Youth song which you also don't really like but you gotta put Sonic Youth on there for yeah. the cred but right. like we were listening to a lot of like grunge was kind of do it yourselfy and jangly and like you know built in the backyard type of yeah thing um we were listening to a lot of that stuff and the Velvet Underground was absolutely that and then Luna was like the Velvet Underground but 
if they could play. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, would actually, you know, occasionally show up and do do the whole gig and not take right. their pants off. Right. Although, Get actually, the club that, shut did, down. that didn't always happen. Um, Dean Wareham sang Happy Birthday to me one year. I think it was 1997. Yeah. Hey. I've never washed my ears. <laughs> Can we take a minute to just go back to this thing about shorty songs that you needed for the end yes. of the yeah, day? Because I feel like this is an important vein. I wrote a whole tap. Tomato Nation about it that we can link to in the show notes. Oh, please do. But it was like, what was your go-to? Because mine was Toad the Wet. Um, do you remember this? Was it on Fear? The yellow yeah. the one with Walk on the Ocean on it? Yeah. What was the song? Do you remember? Um... Now I just have the lyrics to Particle Man in my head, and all of the facts <laughs> have drained out of my ear. Um, I would throw the Tori Amos uh, oh, no. song Mr. Zebra on so many mixes, oh, though, because sure. it was just like, it would slot in, minute and a half, in and out. Song. That's the single greatest thing that Voice for Pele offered to this culture. Because <laughs> you had that, or the other one was a um, Donut Hole, Donut Song was pretty short, too, right? Uh, right, well, yeah, there was, like, Mr. Zebra and, like, Way Down was really short. Yes. And, like, I, that, I mean... But Mr. Zebra was perfect because it was jaunty. And you yeah. like to leave them with a surprise. That song taught me what Ratatouille and Strychnine were. <laughs> so I learned a lot. <laughs> there was, I don't, I'll never be able to tell you the name of it now, but there was a... And get ready for the most 90s sentence I've ever said. There was a hidden track on a Lemonheads album. Oh. And it was some, This is of the era. It wow. was some like weird old lady singing, and it was only an, a minute long. And I used to put that on a lot of track on a lot of mixes too. And, yeah. and I don't know if you guys did this, but I wouldn't even mention that sometimes that the short song was coming. It was like a hidden track. Oh, it was your own secret song. Yes. It was your own your house. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An ex boyfriend of mine did that to me with a um, snippet from Brian Austin Green's <gasps> album. Yes. That like he's like, Don't listen to the mixtape until you leave for your road trip. So I'm like on I-87, like trying to merge across four lanes of traffic, and there's fucking David Silver being like, "The pencil is my utensil," and then Steve just like cut it off, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I was dying laughing. I'm like, "I'm peeing myself. I'm gonna be killed. Totally Amazing. worth it. Yeah. Best mixtape ever." Um, Nightingale song was the uh, name of the track. Oh yeah, wait, how does it? Oh shit, how does that go? There's like a pretty sweet drum break in the middle. Yes. And there's a song from the Nashville soundtrack that actually works, too. It's the Stella Sisters. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, we should totally do a lightning round of all of these songs we in should. a future episode. Oh so, God. folks, just a reminder that we are on Twitter at TalkSongs. And on email, uh, talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. If you have the two-minute and under ending the mixtape songs that you want us to discuss that we missed, definitely reach out. We would love to build an entire mixtape of... Shorties. The, the, yeah, the shorties. And also, we want to remind you that if you would like to appear on our podcast in the form of an ad, we would be delighted to hear from you. Your ad can be anything from a professional uh, spot to a shout-out to a friend who might be listening. Honestly, we're up for just about anything. Yeah, you can make it yourself. We can make it for you. Uh, yeah, talkaboutsongs at gmail.com for all the deets on that. And as always, we do want to thank David Gregory Byrne for providing our theme song. And yay! And we want to remind you that if you would like to record a theme song, we'd love to have that as well. You can just send it to us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com and you can make it be just about anything you want so long as it's around 15 seconds long and clearly says Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Doesn't have to be in English. No, it doesn't. 
Uh, and so that we welcome a Swedish version. Yes, or Mark does. <laughs> and I'm not sure what I'll make. <laughs> we'll let we'll let we'll let the docents at the museum decide. And with that, though, I will say that next time we look forward to being with you again. But until then, we welcome all of your requests, your thoughts, your feedback. Uh, I am Mark. I am Sarah. I'm Joe. And this is Mastas. Mastas. <laughs> Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs, talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.